Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. All right, give your Bible, let's hold them to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. This morning I want to continue what I started a couple of weeks ago called God's Masterpiece. We had Healing Sunday after that. We had Mother's Day after that. So I wanted to get to part two of God's Masterpiece. And uh, we'll just begin a quick review for those of you that may not have been here. Uh, God's Word teaches us who we were in before Christ. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul had a revelation from Jesus and Jesus taught him the gospel and he let him know who we were before Christ. And before Christ, we were walking dead men and women. We were influenced by the darkness of this world and spiritual death that was in our hearts. We were without hope and without God in the world. That's how we were before Christ. But in Christ, God did a wonderful thing for all of us. In Christ, He loved us. In Christ, He made us alive. In Christ, He raised us up. He seated us with Him. He accepted us in the beloved. He adopted us into his family. And the list goes on and on. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's for anyone who will come to Christ. And so now, now every child of God, every person who accepted Christ as Savior and Lord of his or her life is a masterpiece. God's greatest piece of work. So you are indeed a piece of work. But you're God's greatest piece of work. So even though that had a derogatory connotation in times past, when someone says you're a piece of work, you say, thank you, Jesus. I'm a masterpiece, God's greatest piece of work, right? And then to illustrate that, to use it as an example, we used the statue of David. The statue of David was considered a masterpiece by Michelangelo. But that masterpiece was made from one ruined block of marble, white marble. And when you see it, you don't immediately just say, look at that ruined block of marble that Michelangelo sculpted. Does anybody here say that? Would you say that? No, what do you say? What a masterpiece. Wow. What a master craftsman and sculptor. Amazing. And there's so much to be said even about that particular thing. You realize that thing was 17 feet tall? One block of marble that was ruined and also it weighed... 14,478 pounds, uh, 12,478 pounds, and then they were going to put it up on top of a building, but they said it's just too, too heavy to be able to do that, so they put it in the uh, plaza area in Florence, where it was on display, and when they unveiled the thing, 
the mayor stood under it and looked up and just said, Michelangelo, his nose is too big. And of course, he had to respond to the request of the mayor. So what he did was, he got himself a nice ladder, nice sized ladder. And he got some dust. And he got his tools. And he went up and pretended to chisel the nose. And he came back down and said, Mayor, does he look better now? And he said, Michelangelo, you've given life to it now. <laughs> never touched it, never did anything. Isn't that something? But my point is, when you look at it, you don't look at it at a ruined block of marble, do you? You look at a masterpiece. So guess what? You and I were all ruined blocks of marble. We were sinners. Every single one of us in this place, we were a sinner. But God crafted us and sculpted us by the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son. And He turned us into a masterpiece. We are His masterpiece, every single one of us. He sculpted us. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. You're no longer who you were. You now are who you are in Christ. And God's Word reveals to us about this masterpiece. It tells us who we are in Christ. It tells us what we have in Christ and what we can do through Christ. In other words, we have a brand new identity. We're no longer just a sinner saved by grace. We were a sinner, a ruined block of marble. We've been saved by grace, sculpted by the greatest sculptor of the universe. And now we have a new identity. And that's why I want to talk about our new identity this morning in Christ. Who we really are, what we really have, and what we can do. Because of Christ in our lives. God wants a new breed of people to rise up knowing who they are. And being bold to live their life in a victorious way. Yes, there will be tribulation in the world, Jesus said. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And by your faith in me, you too are a world overcomer. Amen? Okay. Who we are in Christ? A masterpiece. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, in, notice in uh, the New Living Translation, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things God planned for us long ago. So say with me, I'm God's masterpiece. And remember, confession of the, world, of the word is absolutely essential to living a productive Christian life. Okay? Secondly, we're a new creations. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation, or as one translation says, he is a new species of being who never before existed. All things are passed away. That spiritual death, that dead man on the inside, the influences of the world of darkness, gone. Praise God, behold, all things are become new and all things are of God. So in other words, right now, praise God, we're no longer part of that old kingdom. We're part of the family of Almighty God. This is a revelation given to the Apostle Paul. So who are you? Say it with me, I'm a new creation. A new species. And look at this one. You're going to love this one. I am complete in Christ. We are number three. We are complete in Christ. In the book of Colossians chapter 2. And verses 9 and 10, we're going to read from the King James and also from the Amplified. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are what? Complete in Him. 
which is the head of all principality and power. Say with me, I'm complete in him. We're complete. That means fully mature in him. Now notice uh, the amplified version of this. For in him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. And you are in him made full, and have, having come to, the, to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature, and he is the head of all rule and authority for every angelic principality and power. Man, if you can't shout about that, buy a new shouter somewhere. Did you get that? The fullness of the Godhead dwells in you. We, we could say that it was in Jesus, but now he says it's in you. You are complete in him. We've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. You're a masterpiece. God's greatest piece of work. Next, we are, you'll love these words, holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. In the book of Colossians once again. Chapter 1, we are without reproach before His presence when we are scrutinized by Him. So if you think you're something less than this, don't think that way any longer. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, that was before Christ, yet now hath He reconciled, brought in, you into harmony with Him in the body of His flesh through death to present you, to present you, what? Holy, say it with me, I'm holy, unblameable, unreprovable in the sight of God my Father oh isn't that good to know and it's based on what not your performance but on the performance of Jesus that's who you are this new masterpiece and then next we are children of the Most High God children Romans eight sixteen tells us the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the what what are we? Say it with me, I'm a child of God. See, I don't see I'm just an old sinner saved by grace in that. I'm a child of God. Now for this next one, we're going to have to pass out seatbelts. You ready for it? Actually for the next two, especially the one after this. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Heirs of God. What's it mean to be an heir? You're next in line to inherit something wonderful. Does God have anything that's bad? Nothing whatsoever. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Your inheritance is all that the kingdom affords us. Everything that there is, you're an heir to it all. Aren't you glad that he didn't leave you a pauper? Amen. Say with me, I'm an heir of God. I'm a joiner with Jesus. And then next, you are the temple. You are the temple of the most high God. Look at the verse first. And then I'm going to explain something that's so important. In 1 Corinthians 3.16. Know ye not that you are the what? Say it with me. I'm the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. Say it with me. The Spirit of God dwells in me. See, if you just read that over lightly, you don't really take time to focus on what he's really saying here. If you go back to Jewish times, what you discover is this. 
the holiest land in all the world is found in Israel. The holiest city in all the world is Jerusalem. The holiest place in all the world is the temple. And the holiest spot in all the world is the holy of holies. So keep that in your thoughts. The holiest land, Israel. The holiest city, Jerusalem. The holiest place, the temple. And the holiest spot, the holy of holies. Well, it's still the holy land. And it's still Jerusalem's the holy city. But there is no temple. Which means there's no holiest spot. Why? Because you now are the temple. You are the temple. And why was it the holiest spot? Because the Shekinah glory of the living God came down and resided in the holiest place of all. But guess what? Now you are the holiest place. And where you step and tread is the holiest land. Because the holy of holies is found in you. You're God's mobile home unit on the planet. And everywhere you go is the holiest spot. Whew. Oh my. <laughs> Does the Holy Ghost dwell in you? Think about it. Wow. Yet people walk around, I'm just so unworthy, you know, Lord, for you to hear and answer my prayers. And, and what they're looking at is their life in the mirror. And they're forgetting who they are in the body. The Bible says they'll look into the mirror of His Word. Don't look into your natural mirror in your bathroom. Look in the mirror of God's Word and start declaring and pro proclaiming who you are in Christ. Say it with me, I am the temple of the Most High God. And the glory of God dwells in me. I'm God's holiest spot on earth. Glory to God. That doesn't wake you up. You, nothing's going to wake you up. All right, next. We are ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors. Say with me, I'm an ambassador. An ambassador is a representative of the highest order. I'm an ambassador for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead that you be reconciled to God. So if you are in Christ, you are now His ambassador. You're His highest representative Whew. that there is on earth among men. Next, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Look at verse 21. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the what? The worms in the dust. The unworthy worms. No. What are we? Of righteousness of who? Say it with me. I'm the righteousness of God. In Christ. See, the Bible reveals to us who we are in Christ. And who this masterpiece is. And what he looks like. And what he has and what he can do. These are just some of the things that it says that we are in Christ. Next. First Corinthians, we are washed, 
we're sanctified, justified, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, aren't you glad you're righteous? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, or effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards or revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. See, we were sinners. But are you now what? Now you're washed. Now you're sanctified. Now you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. What are you? Washed, sanctified, justified. Say it with me. I'm washed. I'm sanctified. I'm justified. And justified means just as if I never sinned. Just as if I never sinned. I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm set apart as a child of Almighty God. And it's just as if I never sinned like Adam in the very beginning. And I can walk with, and talk with God in the cool of the day. And I can enter this holy place of all. Why? Because of Jesus. Because you're His masterpiece. Are you His masterpiece? And that's who you are. And that's what you have. Next one. I love this one. We're not less than conquerors. We're what? More than conquerors through Him who loved us. Say it with me. I'm more than a conqueror. You've heard me say this over and over again. But should there be one person that's never heard that? More than a conqueror. If I were to win a boxing match, a prize fight, and $30 million purse, and I win the bout, but it was a tough fight, and I'm bleeding, and my eyes swollen shut, and I got all this blood everywhere, and all that, and I'm really tired and sore, and all that. Well, the fellow walks over and says, here's your $30 million, $30 million check. I'm a conqueror. I conquered. I go home and walk in the door and say, here, honey, here's the check, Krista. She takes it out of my hand and says, thank you, honey. She's more than a conqueror. She didn't fight, fuss, train, no pain. Just takes a check and walks off. She's more than a conqueror. Well, guess what? Jesus fought the fight. Jesus defeated the devil. Jesus suffered on the cross. He died. He rose again for us. He overcame death, hell, and the grave and says, Now, here's my victory. It belongs to you. That's why we're more than conquerors. All we have to do is accept who we are and what we have in Christ and act like it's true. Amen? Okay, next one. We are delivered and translated. Look at Colossians chapter 1. This is Paul revealing to us once again a blessed truth. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So say it with me. I am delivered and I am translated. See, we're delivered from Satan's kingdom. We're no longer under his jurisdiction. We're translated into the kingdom of God where Jesus is Lord. We're under his jurisdiction. So don't walk around saying the devil this, the devil that, the devil this, the devil that. No, don't let him get after you all week long. Turn around and face him and just say, I'm no longer part of your kingdom. I'm, I'm not in your jurisdiction. You might as well go back where you came from and leave me alone. Because that's who you are, a masterpiece. And you're not going to be overcome by him or any of his cohorts. Next one. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. 
We are redeemed. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, 14. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So say it with me. I am redeemed from the curse, and I am blessed. So what are you? Who are you? What do you have? You are redeemed, and you are blessed. You're his masterpiece. A redeemed individual from the curse and no longer under the curse but under the blessing and the blessed hand of God. That's who you are. And then I love these next two. You are healed. 1 Peter 2.24 tells us who his own self bears sins, our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live to righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. So say it with me. I am healed. healed. Then in Ephesians we're also sealed. The next one is, we're sealed. So we're healed and sealed. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, In whom all, you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So say it with me, I'm healed and I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. That's the earnest of our inheritance, the earnest of it. The first part of it, praise God. In other words, we have the down payment already. See, he can't give us the fullness of it because we're living in these bodies on the earth. If we get these bodies glorified, we've got to go to heaven. So we stay on earth in these unglorified bodies, these mortal bodies, until that day comes. But in the meantime, we have the earnest of the Spirit. We've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. We are, as we said, the temple of God, which means we are the holiest place on earth. The holiest spot on earth is in your spirit and in my spirit. And God wants us to raise up our level of understanding and recognize that and start acting like who we really are are we're not defeated individuals we're more than conquerors and world overcomers secondly what we have in Christ these are the things some of the things that we have in Christ what do we have in Christ first of all we have peace with God how important is this so say with me I have peace with God Romans 5 verse 1 tells us therefore being justified by faith We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Which means we've been brought back into a place of perfect harmony with Him. We were not in a place of harmony with Him until we were reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now that we're reconciled, we have peace with God. Have you been at odds with somebody and you had a problem with somebody? Maybe you were out of fellowship with somebody. And all of a sudden you both came together and you had a little bit of a powwow. And you sat down and you forgave each other and said, now we're at peace with each other. You're at peace with God. God's at peace with you. We're not on the outside, we're on the inside, praise God. We've got perfect peace. But then next, after that, we also have access to the grace of God. We have access to the fullness of God's power. Now notice here in Romans chapter 5 and verse 2 as well. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Small verse of scripture, power packed, power packed with meaning. We have access by faith into the grace. We've been told to come boldly to what? The throne of grace. To obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Well remember back in the old covenant. Where was that place? It was the the holiest of all. Who could go there? Only the high priest once a year with blood. 
But thank God the middle wall of partitions has been brought down. Thank God the veil of the temple was ripped in twain. Thank God the door is opened by the blood of Jesus Christ for all of us to enter in by and experience what the grace of God. Go to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. So by faith in my believing who I am and what I have in Christ, I can walk right up to the throne of Almighty God and say, Father, I am here as your child and I need two things. Two things that we need. We all need it every day. Number one, we all need mercy. Number two, we need grace. Sometimes what we do is we go for grace, or for mercy rather, and we forget about grace. Mercy means this. I missed the mark. I did wrong. I should have said this. Should have done that. Shouldn't have acted that way or whatever. So have mercy upon me. Aren't you glad he has mercy and doesn't give you what you deserve? Then they walk away. But don't do that. Before you walk away, say, but I need something also, something else also. I need grace. Grace is your power of operation. I need your operational power in my life to help me overcome next time I'm tempted so I don't fall victim to that thing ever again. So I want not just mercy, I want grace. And I'm thanking you for that grace right now. But what gives us access? The blood of Jesus Christ. And by faith, we have access into the grace of God. We don't have to wait for the high priest. Thank God we can enter in because we're welcome there. Why? Because we're His masterpiece. Amen. Okay, next one. We have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. We have the mind of Christ. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that He may instruct Him, but we have the mind of Christ. Have you said that? Have you confessed that? Say it with me today. I have the mind of Christ. I hold the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of his heart. In other words, I'm beginning to think like Jesus. Jesus was very bold in, in who he was and what he did when he was on the earth. He made a lot of bold confessions about himself. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I am the light of the world. And you see, he named, he named all these. I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. So he made all these bold confessions of who he was. Well, guess what? We have the mind of Christ. We too know who we are in Him, not in ourselves. Yes, if you look at who you are in yourself, you'll walk around with your head hung low like I'm nothing but a lowly worm in the dust. And law, I'm just so unworthy to walk before your presence. Stop that. You're a masterpiece. God's greatest piece of work. Sculpted by the greatest sculptor who ever lived. He gave you a new identity. And what you have in Him is, is beyond comprehension to be honest with you we have no idea who we are but you know Paul said this if there was a zipper on this flesh of ours and we could unzip the whole flesh and let it fall by the wayside you'd have a building of God on the inside that's filled with the glory of Almighty God can you imagine what you'd look like and what you'd look like on the inside mm. praise God we have got the mind of Christ also we have the love of God we have the love of God look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 this love is powerful and hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So in other words, when we got saved, the love of God came into our hearts, infused into our innermost being. We have the love of God. So say it with me, I have the love of God in me. And see, that love endures long. That love is patient. That love is kind. It's never envious. It never boasts of jealousy. It's not boastful, of vainglorious. It doesn't place out haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride, rude or unmanly. That's how Paul described this love of God. And if we were to take that description of the love of God and start declaring it every day, 
that I endure long, I am patient, I am kind. This is the agape kind of love. This is the divine love of God. This is the love of God that he loved us with when he gave Jesus to die for us. It's not eros, the, eros, the lowest form of love, which is erotic love, physical attraction. It is not story, which is compatibility. He wasn't compatible with us and we weren't compatible with him. It is not phileo responding. He wasn't responding to our love. We weren't loving him. We're walking in darkness and rebellion against him. But it's what? Agape love. The divine love of God that you can only have when you're born again. You have the love of God and you can love as he loved. Matter of fact, he said this is a new commandment that you love as I have loved you. How can you do that without that kind of love? But we have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. And this is the acid test that we pass from darkness into light. How? That we love the brethren. Amen. You got a love that's so deep inside you for the brethren. And where's it come from? The very heart of Almighty God, who is love. So say it with me I have the love of God. This unconditional love is based on principle and decision, not on feeling and emotion. So no matter how you feel towards someone, we'll talk about that soon. Redemption. Next one. We have redemption. Ephesians 1, verse 7. We have redemption through his blood. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins or remission of sins according to the riches of His grace. Oh, say with me, I have redemption. See, some, once again, we say those things, and if we just say those things, it may, not, it may not register deeply. You were on the slave market of sin. You were sold into sin. You were sold into sin slavery. You were on a road to destruction. You and I, we were on our way to a lake of fire where we would live eternally, existing in nothing but torment and torture for the rest of our eternity. But someone saw you on that slave market. Someone looked at you and someone loved you and someone paid your ransom to redeem you from that awful state and fate. And by His blood, praise God, He bought your freedom. I have redemption, praise God. I don't belong to the enemy. I don't belong to death. I don't belong to sin. I don't belong to the kingdom of darkness. I belong to the living God. I'm his masterpiece, praise God. The greatest work of his almighty power and glory. You have power, love, and of a sound mind is next. Look in the, in the book of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God's not given me the spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, and a sound mind. He gave us these three powerful forces to do what? Overcome fear. The spirit of fear has no power over us because we have what? Power in the name of Jesus to rebuke it and cast it out. Love, perfect love, cast out all fear. And a sound, well-disciplined mind to cast down thoughts of fear by saying something like Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am your God. Yea, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. So if you've got God on your side and you know He's defending you, fighting for you and going before you, as Exodus 14, 14 says, my God will fight for you. What's the fear? There is no fear that can conquer our faith. And then we have this. Hallelujah. A great high priest. Look in the book of Hebrews. How important is this? All of what we're talking about today is because we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, who's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, and he's there representing us. We have representation. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. See, we're talking about what we have, and we have a great high priest. 
Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our what? Profession or declaration or confession of faith. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come, how? Boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So in other words, we have a high priest who's gone into the veil for us. And because he's there for us, we don't have to be intimidated to go to the throne of God or the throne of grace. We could boldly walk in and enter in to the throne of grace because we have representation. Jesus, our Lord High Priest and mediator between God and man is there for us. And when we go there with our confession of faith, he stands there right before the throne and sees the high priest of our confession. And he says, Father, what they're saying is true because look, I am watching over their confession. And they're confessing who I am and what they have in me. You have representation. So you're not going there on your merit. You're not going there on you know, your performance. You're going there on the merits of Jesus. And you're going there based on His performance. And so when the Father looks at you, He probably does a double take like... And then He looks over at Jesus. Okay. See, it's not you. It's what Jesus did. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, we're talking about another rainbow. Not Noah's rainbow that says that He's not going to flood the earth ever again. But there's another rainbow. And when he looks through that rainbow, guess what? It's the rainbow of the blood of Jesus Christ. That when he looks through you, he sees you through the blood. He doesn't see you as who you are. He sees you through the blood. Perfectly cleansed, perfectly made whole, delivered and set free. His masterpiece. That's what he sees. You as his masterpiece. And then we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Second Peter chapter 1. According as His divine power hath given unto us. What have you given us, Lord? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. So we all have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let that be your declaration. Say it with me. I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then next we have great and precious promises. Look at Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, the very next verse. We have these precious promises. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the... Of the what? Of the what? We have no problem admitting we've partaken of the fallen nature of man. We have no problem saying that. Because we understand and we know that in Adam we all fell... And in Adam, we all had the nature of death. We know that. Influenced by this kingdom of darkness. We have no problem saying that. Well, why is it if by one man's sin, death entered into the world, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that all have sinned, we can accept that. What's so hard then to accept the fact that by, by one man, by one man, we become righteous and the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? And we're to reign as kings in life by one Christ Jesus. So by, by Him, that by these you might partake the, of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Thank God we're escapees. Amen? We're fugitives. <laughs> Satan's trying to chase us down to bring us back into His kingdom. But guess what? We don't belong to His kingdom any longer. So turn around and tell Him, get lost. And then next we have authority, power, and authority. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is praying this wonderful prayer. Uh, for the people of God, that we would be filled with the knowledge of His will, and, and etc. But here he says, and that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power. Next verse says that He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Oh, hold on just a moment. 
you realize that we have the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in us? In that special place, that spot, that holiest spot on earth, which is our spirit being, we have the presence of God, the power of God, the glory of God. We've got the spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead indwelling us. It's time that we start acknowledging it and start saying it and declaring it and proclaiming it. Why? That's when it becomes a reality. When we start saying it, you know who I am? I'm telling you right now, when you get around some other believers and you start hearing them talking about, the devil's been after me all week. All right, don't go crazy on them. Don't go crazy on them calmly just say just turn around and rebuke him you got authority you got power over all the power of the enemy say it with me I have authority over all the power of the enemy he's given us his authority he wants us to have our eyes open to the authority the power that we have the dunamis the miracle working power as well over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt any one of us why because greater is he that's where greater is he that's in Jerusalem no. Greater is he that's where? In you than he that's in the world. We need to start saying it, declaring it. And then next. And this is, epitomizes it all right here. God's glory. We have the glory of God within. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. For God who commanded to the light to shine out of darkness. Remember in the beginning he said, let there be what? And was there light? listen, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, but we have, we're talking about what we have, what do we have? This treasure of the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, where? In jars of clay or earthen vessels, hold on, the one in the beginning who said, when the darkness was over the face of the deep, said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. When you and I were in darkness, He shined in our hearts the glorious light. It dispelled the darkness of spiritual death and brought the light of life. Because he that believes on me, Jesus said, you pass from death to life already. So as there was light in the beginning, your darkness became light. You are now light in the world. We're the light of the world like Jesus was. Let your light shine among men that he may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Isn't that what Jesus said? But he's shining our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. You've got glory inside you. We've got the Shekinah glory that was in the Holy of Holies. We've got the Shekinah glory that fell and they couldn't stand or minister for my reason of the cloud. And where is it? It is in every single born again, spirit filled, blood washed, faith walking, tongue talking, armor bearing, devil resistant child of the living God known and read of all men. That's where it's at. Inside of every single one of us. That's where it's at. So say to me, I have it. I have the glory in me now. Just give me a few more minutes and we'll close. Number three, what we can do. I'm just barely getting along this week. I've been had so many issues and so many things coming up. I know, haven't we all? But if that's our primary focus, then you're not going to be able to do anything. But when you realize that in Christ there's a whole lot that you can do, number one, you can overcome temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 There hath no temptation taken you but such as common to man. But God who is what? Faithful 
who will not suffer you or allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that you may be what? Able, sufficient in resources, power, strength, and ability to overcome any temptation that comes our way. We have the power. We have the ability. We can overcome it. Say with me, I can overcome all temptation. Secondly, we can quench every fiery dart of the devil. We can quench every fiery dart. The book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. After Paul talked about uh, all the other things that they were to do as a Christian. He now talks about standing against all the powers of darkness. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be what? Able, equipped, sufficient in resources, power and ability to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You say, but I don't feel that way. That's it. We're not... It's not based on feeling, it's based on revelation. When you and I start saying we're equipped and saying we're able, that's when the power of God goes into operation and, and we can quench every fiery dart. Anything the devil tries to shoot our way, the fiery dart is extinguished because our shield of faith has the water of the word that extinguishes every fiery dart of the devil. Number three, we can do all things through Christ. Who is our strength? Philippians 4.13. What can we do? I. It's personal. Can. It's positive. Do. It's practical. All things. It's pervasive. Through Christ. It's providential. Who strengthens me? It's powerful. So say it with me. I can do all things. Through Christ. Who is my strength? So what can we do? All things. All things through Christ who is our strength. So what can we do? All things. So we know who we are. We know what we have. We know what we can do. And in connection with that, what did Jesus say in John 14, 12? Verily, verily. Wherever you see a double verily, it means there's tremendous importance placed on what he's about to say. I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Notice he says, he that believeth on me. Do you believe on him today? So in other words, it's for everybody. It's not just for the apostles like some like us to think and believe. It's for everybody. So what can we do? We can overcome temptation. What can we do? We can quench every fiery dart of the devil. What can we do? We can do all things through Christ who is our strength. And what can we do? We can do the works of Jesus. We've got to take it to heart. And start doing what he's told us to do. Now in conclusion. We were all ruined blocks of marble. We were. I admit that. But now. We've been saved by grace. And sculpted by the greatest sculptor. That exists anywhere. We have now. Praise God. Become his greatest piece of work. His greatest workmanship. His masterpiece. And we know who we are. And we know what we have. And we know what we can do. Because of what Christ has done for us. So. Where the father's dream come true. This is what he was longing for. Is to have a family. We are now his family. We're the object of his love. We're the reason why he sent Christ to die for us. Why? To take this ruined piece of uh, block of marble. And turn it into his masterpiece. We are his offspring. We are his children, his sons and his daughters. Now, in the last paragraph, I want you to see this. 
To call ourselves anything less is to insult the greatest sculptor ever. To insult him by saying you do shoddy workmanship. No. I want you to see these two verses, Amos 3, 3 and Romans 12, 1 and 2. Can two walk together except they be agreed? He says, you can do all things. And, you, and we say, I just can't seem to do anything. He says, you're more than a conqueror. And you walk around saying, I'm defeated every day. Do you see the point? How can two walk together except they be agreed? You can say something like this. I don't feel like a conqueror. I don't look like a conqueror. But I'm telling you, Heavenly Father, your word says I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me. And so therefore I agree with your word. You know, you looked at it and amplified. You no, know, Job 22, 21, 22, 22, 21. It says that acquaint yourself now with him. Agree with him and conform to his will. We've got to speak it out to conform to it. And then look at Romans 12, 12 2. And be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove the acceptable and perfect will of God, the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. God wants us to agree with His Word and renew our minds in such a way that we start declaring who we are, what we have, and what we can do in Him because we are His masterpiece. And so for us to live the kind of Christian life that God wants us to live, we have got to agree with God. We have got to agree with who we are. We have to agree with what we have. And we have to agree with Him with what we can do. And when we take it to that level, beloved, I'm telling you, you unleash the miracle working power of God in your life to live the life that God wants you to live. Let's all stand together. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sounds. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you. And God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.